Hello and welcome to Greenish, the only podcast that discusses what money and kale have in common. From money and kale to mindfulness and capital, our mission is to discuss this intersection while speaking to the entrepreneurs that fuse both. We're your hosts. I'm Ari. And I'm Kate. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with Melissa Bentivolio, founder of The Frame Fitness. Melissa, we're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. And you did an amazing job at pronouncing my last name. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Yeah. Melissa Bentivoglio is the founder of Frame Fitness, which is referred to as the Peloton of the Slow Burn. She trained in elite classical ballet and competitive dancing from a young age until university. Melissa then began the practice of Pilates while healing from a sports-related injury upon the recommendation that it could help the recovery process. In 2018, Melissa designed her own custom reformer, which eventually went into her boutique fitness studio, Frame Fitness, located in the heart of Toronto and opened in February 2020. So, Melissa, to get things started, and in the greenish spirit, could you tell us about your roots, your background, your childhood? What did all of this look like for you? For sure. Um, so I was actually born and raised in Niagara, um, on the Canadian side. So Niagara Falls, St. Catharines. Um, I went to a, a Parisian French school growing up and I was always an athlete. So I started um, competitive dance around age five. And then I started my classical ballet training at age seven. Um, by the time I was nine years old, I was auditioning for um, the National School of Ballet and the Quinte School of Ballet, which are world renowned. And it was basically just, I was always on the go when I was so young. I have children now and I think like, oh my God, my 10 year old wouldn't even know what it's like to train 30 hours a week. Um, but I think it shaped me into who I am. And as a result, fitness has always been a huge integral part of who I am. It's a part of my genetic makeup. I also, you know, have three other siblings. We were all athletes and, um, yeah, so it was just a very athletic household and, um, I always viewed myself as, as an athlete. That's so cool. And I think your whole story and your whole evolution to get to the point of Pilates is so interesting. And we're excited to get a bit more into that. First for our listeners, we want to start with the origins of Pilates to get a holistic understanding of the why. So sure. Pilates were created by Joseph Pilates, and he aimed to blend the movements of gymnastics, martial arts, yoga, and dance. So breathing deeply, centering the body, and focusing concentration on balance and strengthening the core provides this mental release and really lengthens the body. Totally. And yeah. then, so you are actually certified in... Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's sure. Lagree Pilates. Um, Lagree. Lagree. Lagree Pilates. It's um, a megaformer. So it's actually okay. called something different everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. the, the machines itself, they're megaformers. And the method is called the Lagree method. 
Um, but depending on where you are in Florida, they have like Core Evolution or Jet Set Pilates. That's all the Legree method. They're just, they're licensing and then they can call it what they want. And then, you know, in New York, it's called SLT. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's variations, obviously, in other different types of um, megaformer classes. I also have a contemporary Pilates uh, certification, which actually I started out as a mat Pilates instructor um, when I was attending university um, in Toronto, Canada. And I had injured myself actually in soccer. So I was also um, a soccer player. It was probably a combination of overuse injuries, which we see oftentimes with athletes, elite athletes were constant. There's a lot of wear and tear in your body. And um, I had a stress injury and obviously wasn't listening to my body. And I was pushing and I cracked my, uh, my pelvic bone. Actually, I fractured my pelvic bone. So that injury was sustained around 17 and uh, I had tried to rehabilitate in different ways through, I went to a chiropractor and then I went to a sports medicine physician and he had recommended that I started um, to train in Pilates and reformer Pilates. I already had my mat certification. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. I really like, um, I like the low impact nature of being on a reformer, which, and, and at the time, like this is, I'm not going to age myself too much. I'm in my mid thirties, but it was a more archaic piece of reformer that was in the um, doctor's office, but it had a stationary platform with a carriage and we were doing specific moves to strengthen certain areas that had weakened due to the injury. And I love the way the, there was still intensity yet it's such a low impact nature. It even, it's so different from even just being on the ground. So the best way I describe it when I have a new client, I'll ask them to do a lunge, a very simple move, do a lunge, let's say a lateral lunge, do a lateral lunge on the ground and then do the exact same movement, repeat it on a reformer and just feel the difference. Not only does your body know that you're not on the ground. So you have all these stabilizer muscles that start to engage, particularly in this instance with a lateral lunge, all the adductor, all the inner thigh muscles, but it's just one of the most amazing workouts. Um, And that was my introduction to uh, reformer Pilates. And then fast forward, you know, three or four years, I'm just like finishing up university. And I discovered the intensity of mega former classes. And that's when I became certified in um, Legree Fitness. So I, I've, I've done it all. I'm also a regular personal trainer. I have my yoga certification. I also did my yoga, which is jock yoga, particularly working with athletes. So I think that we've seen in fitness, there's been a lot of growth and a lot of evolution and not just Pilates, but even when you look at yoga, there was, you know, you started with a very foundational type of yoga. And then there was the discovery of, and, and not only along with the discovery, there's that growing interest and appetite, you have hot yoga and you have restorative yoga and you have prenatal and postnatal yoga and you have athletic yoga, which is extremely challenging where you're holding poses. And then there's a cardiovascular component. So I've seen the same shift in almost all aspects of fitness and Pilates. There's been just a lot of growth in general. That's incredible. And you have been a big part of this adaption and this revolution and innovation as well, um, especially taking advantage of the way that things are becoming so much more digital. And so we'd love to get a little bit into 
frame and the product. So building equipment that has the technical components to provide these benefits is no easy task, I'm sure. So also with incorporating a digital component. Yes. So we'd love to hear about the manufacturing process and how did you know when you were speaking to manufacturers who would be the right fit for you? Also sure. for all of our oh. listeners, what we're about to talk about is like the most sleek thing I feel like I've ever seen <laughs> in like the workout space. Thank you. That was I won. Huge, that was a, that was a, a massively important driving factor when I was designing uh, my second reformer, my second proprietary reformer, which is the frame reformer that we are now speaking of. But just to go back slightly to provide a little more context, my first um, shot, my first attempt rather at industrial design was back in 2018, which you guys mentioned. And I designed a reformer framed by Melissa. And there was such a massive learning curve in the whole conceptualization and then you take a concept and then how do we make it function and then there's the whole industrial design and you're iterating you're going back and forth and you're altering and you're changing and it actually took two years (laughs) two years of iterating and changing and trying and testing before I could finally say, okay, this is what I want to mass manufacture. And then that's a whole different ballgame. So I'm really glad that when I decided to embark on this new um, journey of frame reformer, the at-home digitally connected Pilates reformer, I had under my belt my first reformer because that that was different. It was super complicated. But when you look at what I'm doing now, there's that my rate of complexity when you're adding, like you had mentioned, a screen. When you add a digital component, you now are dealing with UI, UX, the user interface, the user experience, content creation. So you're, you know, it's significantly more complicated than just designing a proprietary hardware, which is also very complicated. (laughs) So glad I had that under my belt and that learning curve was invaluable for me. And I think particularly the main reason that correlated to why I was able to to be so efficient in execution with this new business, um, because I had that. Thank God for that. Um, So now talking about the frame reformer, specifically Industrial design, I I felt like, okay, I'm a pro. No, I didn't really feel like I was a pro, but I had so much <laughs> confidence in the process that when I was originally pitching to investors, um, of course, you know, we had, I had prior to even reaching out and doing a pitch, I had a functional, a rapid and a functional, but the functional didn't look like what it looks like now. So there's been many iterations to it and that's just normal and a part of the process Um, but when I was originally pitching investors, I was like, okay, I've already gone through this. I'm a pro at this. I know how to iterate really fast. I know what works already and what doesn't, because I I essentially use my first studio reformer as like the best case you study ever, particularly we're talking about utility components. And then, um, with the new frame reformer, I wanted to take my studio reformer, which was probably 400 pounds. It was 12 feet in length. Um, and I wanted to make it for the home, which I personally felt And I was a balanced body ambassador for years and I would put in some of my clients' homes, I wouldn't put my big studio reformer, but because I was a balanced body ambassador, I'd put an Allegro. And even then 
they couldn't do any workouts without me. So I knew that connected aspect was going to be so crucial for so many people and really change the way Pilates is practiced and the way we look at it. So when we look at Peloton, which they've done a phenomenal job at now when people think of cycling, the only thing to think about is not brick and mortar. They actually probably think about um, in home and connected to a community, but via technological advancement, the connectivity. Um, so they were able to do that and they paved the way for all the other digital fitness companies that have been emerging with extreme success in a hyper growth competitive landscape, which I'm so um, honored to be a part of. That's so fascinating. And I feel like even this just is a testament to the way that there's kind of a low impact revolution right now in the fitness space and hardcore hit classes are kind of like out of vogue a little bit while Pilates and yoga and stretching are getting more and more attraction. Totally. And Pilates changed like everything for me. I used to have super high cortisol as a runner. And I had this mentality that if I didn't leave a workout, like dripping sweat and unable to breathe I was like then it's not a workout which is so Mm. wrong and Pilates like I started to notice a difference mentally like my thinking was so clear and I just I I would feel so happy after I did it but it actually totally transformed my body too and I was shocked by the amount of mental focus you have to have on like every physical movement you're performing and I think this slow movement impact on depression, anxiety, overthinking, everything. Um, And if you're listening to this and you kind of resonate with that, I really recommend trying Pilates. But for everyone and taking into account everyone's body being so different, Mm -hmm. how do you recommend we find the right balance of the cardio with the low impact? So that's all, those are great. That's a great question. And your personal experience, um, it's tailored to who you are. And I think it's correlated to, you said you were an athlete, you were an elite athlete and you had high cortisol levels. Well, cortisol is the stress hormone. So we can still have super high cortisol levels, regardless of the type of workout we choose to engage with. But I think that We have to just listen to our bodies. And for instance, for me, I still like a level of intensity when I'm doing Pilates. Um, Intensity does not equate high impact. So I agree with you. I love the idea of low impact, particularly because I'm somebody who has been injured and been on this sort of like forever road of rehabilitation. I have to be very cognizant of the way I move and how I move. I would love to jump into a Barry's bootcamp class because I'm a very intense person and I crave that. But then, you know, I may go into back spasm the following week because the impact is just too much for me and my body. So I think people really need to find that internal, intuitive, understand their body, but know that Pilates is practiced in a plethora of ways. It's not just classical or contemporary or, you know, super intense. I call it like athletic Pilates. I think everybody needs to find what they're craving and then adapt it to, um, to be the most effectual for them. So it sounds like for you, you probably really like a contemporary fusion where there's a mind body connection and you're really slowing everything down and focusing on the movements. For me, 
I don't need to be like dripping sweat. Like you had mentioned, that is sort of a little bit of an older mentality because you can have some of the most effective workouts and you're not necessarily dripping sweat, but I do like to feel heated. And I like the intensity of activating those slow twitch muscle fibers. And I like holding poses. I like feeling like I can't go on any longer in a workout in a just super controlled, methodical way where I'm protecting my body and myself. Um, But one really great thing about the frame reformer, I was very, very much aware that I took my own personal subjectivity out of the equation because I actually train a lot of professional athletes. So when you look at the fact that most of my, my personal client repertoire, and even, you know, the, the clients coming into my studio, I have a very intense way of teaching. It's like boot camp Pilates, but I'm highly technical. So form is so important. Um, and I place a lot of emphasis on form, but then there's also this boot camp nature to the way I teach where I really bring up the intensity and I like that like fiery moment. Having said that, there's so many people who aren't going to want that in Pilates. So when you look at the actual piece of equipment, it's designed to offer you whatever you're looking for. And you is everybody in North America and then beyond as we continue to expand and scale. (laughs) So we're making sure that we have classical instruction because that's very, very important We have contemporary instruction. We have some of the fusion. We have robust off reformer as well so that you could, you know, utilize the bar for a quick 20 minute bar session. If you really want to get like a glute burn or, you know, if you want to do a stretch class after an intense workout. So I think it's all about the robust content offering and really having this one piece of beautiful equipment, which was designed um, with a gorgeous piece of furniture, like my pat, my, not my passion. <laughs> I don't design furniture, but I felt very, very passionate about bringing something into a home that wasn't archaic, that didn't look ugly and that you don't want to hide. And to your point, I, I need our listeners to see it because no, I would not hide that. I feel like I would make it the center of my living room. <laughs> Totally. Some people have actually reached out and said, like, I'm actually incorporating this into my design. And I love that because that was the sole intention behind creating the frame reformer, which, by the way, stark contrast to my first reformer, which did look like a typical piece of fitness equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you want to quickly touch base on and I went on and on about um, the robust content and how it differs, but uh, manufacturing. So that's more um, that's more industrial design. You have to find an industrial designer who you really work closely with um, and that you have to make sure that they really understand the vision. And by the way, it's never one, two, three iterations. It's all it's a, a fairly long process. We were changing things, um, you know, for instance, what was one change? It was mostly aesthetic because a lot of the functionality, you make sure that works and then you design aesthetic around the functionality because the most important thing is that it glides beautifully, that the springs, which are novel and patented by me, um, in order to decrease the length of my first design, I said to myself, how do I create the same functionality? Because I, I'm not willing to risk that I can't do, you know, 100 plus moves with a back platform. Now, this is not traditional. This is more um, mega former. And a lot of the new reformers that have come out in the last five years, which are gaining a lot of momentum amongst the Gen Ys and Zs and the, the super 
athletes who are craving that intense workout but um that back platform you can do so many moves particularly when we're talking about heavier upper body or a reverse crunch and so i developed a spring technology in which there are buttons at the front and the back of the platform sorry the front and the back of the reformer there's only one platform but that single platform transitions into the same functionality of having two by engaging the springs at the back. So there is a dual spring technology system, which doesn't exist anywhere in the market other than on the frame reformer. So cool. Literally like that is so cool. It is so super, super cool. Actually, we were filming content in LA all week and we had some amazing Pilates instructors. Again, very diverse backgrounds we had, you know, a few amazing classical super mind body connection. They didn't really want any music on. They really want to focus on the breath and that's phenomenal. And then we had some contemporary instructors and they were all like, wow, this spring system is amazing. And it's also just <laughs> a button, which to me, when I was designing it, I was thinking like, this is like, it's very archaic. Even my studio reformer that we're pulling these coiled springs and we're popping the spring on, or we're lifting it up in a, in a mega former sense we should just be engaging them with buttons because it makes for simplicity. Mm -hmm. And why do we want to complicate things like a spring, adding a spring on or engaging or disengaging? I've never even questioned like the springs. I know. But changing the springs are like the hard, I can't even pull the, like I can't even pull the springs sometimes. Like the hard ones, I am like- The heavy? That's like- super challenging to pull. And it's just, I always likened it to being on a treadmill and then wanting to bring it to an incline, but then having to jump off the treadmill and like, like crank it up. It's like, no, we press a button. We choose incline seven and then the, uh, the um, treadmill lifts to the incline. Why can't we have that same efficacy in a reformer? So there's are, there's also, there's also an element of um, when we look at things particularly steeped in a lot of tradition like Pilates and yoga, we often see a lack of innovation because there's there's a huge community that really is almost emotionally tied to the uh, the foundation of it. So you kind of got to like break through those traditional thought processes and say, hold on, we can still do this. You can do all the same moves. We're just going to make it a little more simplistic and technologically advanced. And then just to quickly answer the manufacturing question, um, just because I rerouted you a little. So industrial design obviously is integral when you're creating something that you want to look a certain way. And then manufacturing is hugely important as well, because they're going to be tasked with creating um, you're, you're bringing your vision to life, building that in, um, hardware. And I was very lucky that when I did my seed round frame fitness frame reformer is backed by the biggest veterans in fitness. So we have Mark Mastroff, who was the founder and CEO of 24 hour fitness. They literally call him the Steve jobs of fitness. I am so lucky and honored that he understood immediately when I pitched, he's one of our lead investors and he's also our other board member. He has been invaluable, um, even just from a strategic perspective, um, being able to call him up and say, okay, what do you think about this? And, and, 
you know, has this worked in the past? And then in addition to Mark, we have Jim Rowley, who's the CEO of Crunch Fitness Worldwide. He's phenomenal as well. And then we have Michael Bruno, who is the CEO of the largest fitness manufacturer, I believe in the world, Core Health and Fitness. So they own Stairmaster, Nautilus, Star Trek, uh, Schwinn. So they're the ones backing us. So manufacturing is quite complicated, but we do have a uh, an advantageous relationship built in. Mm-hmm. So cool. Okay, so I actually want to take it back a little bit. So I'm actually a triathlete and I've been competing since I was seven. So this low impact revolution, I'm, I honestly love it so much because, um, way back when my coach actually was a huge fan of yoga and Pilates and he, like, it was mandatory that once a week I had a yoga or Pilates day. And then I also had a rest day. My yoga slash Pilates that I did was kind of more of what we were talking about. It was kind of more of a full body meditative activity. It was less like super intense. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a follow-up, I would love to pick your brain on just for listeners that have never tried Pilates. I know we had Mm -hmm. kind of talked about like lots of different types. We talked about Mm -hmm. some of the machinery. What advice would you give a first timer? And, you know, like, is it imperative that somebody kind of watches a YouTube video before to get an idea of what to expect? Can somebody just kind of show up and just, you know, go through the motions? You really need to engage your mind as well. So this is an amazing question. And what I iterated and reiterated to all of my very strategic seed investors back when I was pitching because Pilates was not something that was thought of as something that could pivot to the digital because it hadn't happened yet. So when we saw so much growth with cycling and then the emergence of the mirror and tonal and then the the digitally connected rowers, which are doing amazing as well, Pilates was one of the things where Matt Pilates was being offered Actually, at one point, it was one of the most requested modalities um, on Peloton subscription model. But it was something I was like, okay, you can do Pilates one-on-one with an instructor or you can jump into a boutique. And now how is this going to transition? And can a new, uh, somebody who had never, there was no previous experience, could they jump in to a class or would they be able to engage with a frame reformer? And the thing about um, boutique fitness, I was a boutique fitness owner and boutique fitness is great. You have one instructor and 16 or 18 reformers, depending on how big the class is. And oftentimes as an instructor, we have one minute to cue a movement. Like you said, Pilates is highly technical. So it's less about rah-rah, like in spinning and highly technical. You're literally giving verbal instruction on how to get into a move and then how to be aligned and how to make sure you're engaging all the proper muscles. So there's a lot of chatting. And as an instructor, you will pan a room and make sure nobody is going to injure themselves. And then you're going to focus on that one person. But in that moment, you will be ignoring everybody else because it is not humanly possible to correct 10, 12, 15, or 16 depending on the class, people's individual form in one minute of an exercise or 90 seconds, if the longest exercise, 90 seconds. So one thing I really, really love about the frame reformer and 
converting this to a digitally connected environment is that people can pace themselves. So not only is there intro classes for people who have never been on a reformer and perhaps highly intimidated, um, there's going to be a very specific class catered to that person. And what I would say to that person, obviously, because this is digital connection and we have our own interface, no, they don't need to jump on a YouTube and see, you know, how they're going to do a class. They only have to pay attention to the connectivity and to the, um, all of the instruction and whoever the instructor is, whoever they choose the instructor. And then they have the benefit of having not only a visual cue because you have the instructor directly in front of you on the same machine demonstrating what proper form is. You also have the auditory cueing, which I find a lot of people when they're in boutique fitness classes, the instructor is seldomly ever demonstrating the move because they're walking around to make sure people are doing the proper movements. So I think um, this is going to be I don't want to reuse the word revolutionary, but really change the way people do Pilates. And I think there's always been an intimidation factor, particularly when we look at group fitness, group fitness Pilates classes. And oftentimes one-on-ones are not attainable because they're so costly. Something I really admire about you is your curiosity and you are just such a problem solver. Like even questioning the spring system and a reformer, I would have never thought about that. And you've said before you could be in university for the rest of your life. And I love that because (laughs) this is where we are right now. And a lot of times I just hear people saying they just want to get out of school and get into the real world. But I'm curious for your approach to this. How do we never stop learning? Like what practices do you undertake? What do you read, watch, listen to that really contribute to this philosophy of never wanting to stop learning? Um, I love that you you found that. You found that quote somewhere because it's something I always say. So it's not something that was forced. It wasn't a philosophy. I I have a love for learning that's so vehemently a part of who I am. I have an insatiable curiosity. And some people closest to me may perceive it as exhausting. (laughs) Because, um, for instance, I don't really watch Netflix shows. And, um, you know, my husband sometimes is like, let's jump into bed and watch, watch a, you know, a new series. And for me, if I'm going to watch a a show, I want it to be a part of this ever constant acquisition of knowledge. So right now, my thing is I'll only watch shows that are in Italian because I'm trying to acquire the Italian language. As you know, I already speak French fluently and, um, Now I want to learn Italian. So I just won't watch a normal show. I want to immerse myself in the culture and I'm trying to pick up the language this way. And I also don't watch a lot of TV in general. I'm an avid reader and I'm loving um, audiobooks lately. So my self-care regimen is I get two to three massages a week. And for me, it's not about relaxation. It's about something that my body needs as a part of this journey of rehabilitation. Um, It's how I make sure, particularly when I'm teaching a lot of classes or even now filming a lot of instructional classes, my body, when I'm teaching, you know, 10 or 12 classes, even if they're express, let's say it accumulates to six or seven hours of physical activity, that's a lot for your body. Um, So I have a very dedicated 
deep tissue massage therapy regimen. And while I'm doing that, I also don't want to be idle. So I'll listen to an audio book or um, if I do have moments in a day, it's been extremely hectic and busy um, starting this new business. And I haven't been reading as much as I would like, but anytime I have a spare moment, I am reading or listening to an audiobook. One of the things that I learned earlier on in my studies was that, and, and this is sort of an emerging new um, uh, discovery, but our brains, they're not, there's a, an element of neuroplasticity that we didn't have a vast understanding of. But now we know that our brains are highly adaptable. And if we incorporate something into our, let's say like a tiny little change I want to make, maybe I'm not, something's not working or it's not effective in my morning routine or whatever it is. If I make a little tiny change and I'm a huge proponent of like compact, compound growth. So tiny little changes, don't overwhelm yourself. But the more you do that same behavior, you're literally creating a new neural pathway. And then the more you engage with that new neural pathway, the stronger it gets. So for me, it's all about being the most effective Melissa I can be. And maybe I need to uh, learn to chill a little. (laughs) And for all of our listeners, in case you're new here, our episodes will always start and end the same. So just like you already heard us talk about Melissa's roots at the beginning of the episode, We'll end by talking about guests' experiences during the most influential and outright crazy time in their lives, their 20s. Since our listenership is primarily college students and those in their early careers, we want to center this last segment on them. And because those years tend to fly by, this is also more of a speed round with questions. Melissa, are you ready? Sure. We love the community aspect of Pilates. Like you go to class with a friend and then you catch up over coffee before school or work. If you could have a Pilates date with one person living or from the past, who would you choose? A Pilates date. I would have a Pilates date with Jack Canfield, the author of Success Principles. I don't know if he does Pilates, but I love him. (laughs) Okay. Favorite post-workout meal? A smoothie bowl, acai smoothie bowl. Frame X, enter the blank. What is the ultimate collaboration with Frame you'd like to manifest? It could be athleisure brand, food and wellness, influencer, celebrity. Who would you choose? A Frame X Hermes. Ooh, I love that. (laughs) I'm going to say why I said that. Um, They actually just got into fitness. They did a pop-up in New York a couple months ago. And I thought, again, just leaning into that design aesthetic beauty, if I could create a amazing version of like an Hermes frame reformer, which would be like a showpiece, that would be amazing. Also, um, Dior did it with Techno Gym. Okay, too cool. Um, (laughs) So... You're fairly private on social media. No big blue check mark, no no fancy public account. Why? Um, well, the check mark is on the frame account. And my personal account, I'm mostly just posting my three children. So I like to keep it pretty intimate with just everybody I know. Describe frame in three words. Aesthetically functional. You see, that's just one word. <laughs> um, innovative. And 
disruptive. Do you listen to music when you do Pilates or prefer silence? If music, what is the song you need to listen to when you're shaking in pain? (laughs) (laughs) So I like music when I work out in general um, because it helps me sort of escape some of my daily tasks and my type A personality, but it also it also still has allowed me to focus on the movements and the biomechanics of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Uh, I love 90s music. So if there's like a really good poppy 90s song like Ace of Bass, I love it. But then I also love, um, you know, like a hit list right now. Like I love the new Harry Styles song. So we always end with a final question called the greenish goal. What is one goal you recommend our listeners set from mental and physical health to founding a company to mastering their wealth? Establishing a goal is very, very important. And like I mentioned before, um, I was reading Atomic Habits. Yeah, that's it. I was trying to remember the name of the book. So Atomic Habits is all about compound growth and tiny little changes eventually will make up the change of the dis- oh my god you have it I literally have it like on my nightstand table <laughs> I love it did you already read it no I'm just starting oh my god. it how serendipitous and weird is that <laughs> wait I'm so excited I literally just bought it this weekend like this past weekend I love that so that book's phenomenal send me a note when you're done reading it and tell me what you think I okay. love it awesome um, and I love the concept of that compound growth I'm a huge proponent of it I think that sometimes people get overwhelmed in change that they need to quote-unquote make and oftentimes are left paralyzed and then as a result they don't make any change at all And so I like the idea of making tiny little changes that eventually will modify the behavior in a very conscientious manner. So we're super intuitive beings. Sometimes we have to tap into that. I also think it's very important to have a clear idea of what you want that change to make and not to overwhelm yourself. So one granular goal per like one health mental health goal perhaps it's not being on social media as much or not succumbing to applying a filter I'm a huge uh, filters drive me bonkers in today's day and age where everybody utilizes a filter and I think it's very it's this sort of insidious huge problem that we're going to see with young girls mental health Um, but we won't get into that right now. Um, So I think it's making one granular goal and then trying to find little ways of making changes where you're altering the habit and eventually changing the behavior. And I think that leads to the most effective way of adhering to a goal that you've set for yourself. And sometimes I don't even like the word goal. Sometimes goal is very scary to ourselves and often becomes this like taunting goal list and then we just ignore it. So I like I like to incorporate it into the perception of how do I want my life to be? Where do I want to be? And what are the little changes that I want to make in order to adhere to that? Thank you so much, Melissa, for being on our show today. We had a blast getting to know you. Thank you are you. so wise and we loved this conversation. Thank you so much. You guys were amazing as well.
guys so much for listening to today's episode. You can find anything we mentioned today linked in our show notes. And if you want more, make sure to go to our website at www.agreenishlife.com. And don't forget, we release new episodes every other Friday. We'll see you next time on Greenish. Thank you.